travel support Thursday. Travel Thursday. Travel on today's travel support Thursday. Oh. We got all sorts oh. of what? You got the jingle. Travel Thursday. Travel Thursday. We're in, in a our camper van. Camper van time. Camper podcast. Sassy. Sassy Molassi. <laughs> this is her name, and she is wonderful she is beautiful welcome back once again to travel support thursday the show where we answer all of your burning travel questions so just please as a reminder we literally answer the questions that are down in the comments on youtube so just like leave questions that you have and we will answer them in next week's podcast and it'll be great for everyone everyone will have a good time with it (laughs) everyone wins (laughs) everyone learns it's a big win-win experience so on today's travel support thursday we got all sorts of interesting questions i think our like big overarching topic is safety while traveling. We're also talking about what are our go-to packs and what we usually pack when we travel. Ooh, um, best backpacks, yeah. big discussion, big discussion. You have so many. <laughs> um, how we pick places to eat and when would we throw in the YouTube towel? Oh, as in like, like what would it take for us to quit YouTube? That's right. Oof. All right, let's get into it. Okay. So first, we just wanted to acknowledge all the support and the kindness that we received last week from the podcast when we talked about generally what it's like and what it feels like to travel while being an Asian American woman and putting it all on YouTube. We received a lot of thoughtful messages from all of you and we really appreciate it. And I think the overarching message that we received is that, yeah, the world is 98% positive and there are just some terrible people out there who just need to take a trip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. There were so many great stories that we saw and so many like heartfelt stories, some of them really kind of sad but most of them, I think all of them actually had like really good endings to them. Like all of them were like, yeah, there were some real jerks out there. But the thing that I think that we saw over all of them was that just like everyone ended their message with like hopefulness yeah. of that. Like, yep, it sucks to be out there sometimes. And there are some jerks out there. But most of the time, people are pretty great. Yes. And I got to say, that's been our experience, too. Agreed. We love all your stories, all your messages, all your comments, sad and Sad and happy, challenging and uplifting, all of them. So keep them coming. We really appreciate it. Yeah. But yeah. one question that did come up, actually. Hold on, I'm getting it. <laughs> a lot of you had asked, um, a couple of you had asked where my, my sweater or my top was from that I was wearing in last week's podcast. And, you know, I think I bought this from Costco years and years <laughs> ago. Um, but this brand specifically... Uh, is looks like green tea is that green green? tea you know i don't know if they have it at costco any longer because it's been about five or six years but you might be able to find it on amazon and if i do i will send you a link yeah just look down in the description for the link for that sweater (laughs) (laughs) if if you are really interested in it costco is about the height of fashion that we have (laughs) it is probably the most fashionable place that we shop from I would say, because it's either that or or it's thrift stores. We (laughs) love them. So when we buy new clothes, normally Costco or Sam's Club. This is a thrift store find. It says Oahu. It's pretty cool. Okay, so let's get to it. Our first question comes from Brenna Norwell305, who says, Great series and thoughtful responses. Would love a gear haul in a future video. What are your go-to packs? Code Epoxy versus Tortuga versus Alternative Brand? And what do you typically bring on a medium-length trip? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, our answers are going to be very different. Okay. I don't want to monologue too hard here, but I have tried, I think, almost every backpack available. <laughs> also, a lot of you have noticed in our videos and pointed out, Josh's backpack changes 
I think every season. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's an obsession of mine. Like, <laughs> I am not ashamed to say it that I am in constant search of the perfect backpack. Okay, he has so, quite the collection. So, so let me give you my, like, history of this just real quick. Mm-hmm. So on my first trip around the world, this was like 2011, 2012, had no idea what I was doing. Brought this absolutely gigantic REI flash backpack. Was 55 liters in the bag and then another 20 liters on top and like this floppy head that you could like put over the Whoa. top of the bag. So and 75 if, liters? Yeah, 75 liters. So if you like, if you don't know what that means, 75 liters, imagine a backpack that goes from like right in between your butt and your knees. Like that's where the bottom of the backpack is. And it goes all the way up to just like halfway up your head. Wow. And it's quite large. It's like wider than you are. It's like really big. So like it's, I brought way too much stuff on that first trip. What, I, I didn't what know what I was some doing. Stuff that you had. Oh man, that's so much dumb stuff. Like I read, I started reading through all these packing lists for around the world trip. I was going for a year, and these packing lists are just insane. But you only realize it like after you've traveled enough that no, you probably don't need a giant water purifier pen. You know, you probably don't need to actually bring a tent. You're not going to use a that tent. every day. Yeah. You probably don't need a sleeping bag with you at all times. So many little things. And invariably on these packing lists, they always say like, oh, yeah, bring this just in case. And that applies to like anything because you're going on a one year around the world trip. So literally anything could happen. Just in case. Right. So therefore, mm. if you're packing just in case, you should probably just pack your entire house. Mm. So, <laughs> so, That's an idea. There you go. Camper van. <laughs> So so after that first trip, I downsized substantially. And then the second one, I brought an Osprey Farpoint 40. Oh, so significantly. Much smaller. It might have been 45. Might have been 45. Bright green, way smaller than the last one. But honestly, I still had too much room. Like, I just like, mm. I just like packed extra stuff to fit in there. I didn't really need all that room mm-hmm. at all. Because mostly what I was doing on my one-year trip was like going from big city to big city to big city to big city and then sometime off into the countryside. But if I did, if I went on a long hiking trip, I would just like buy a tent for that one thing that I did. Or rent it, yeah. Rent it, yep. And then I would just donate it back or give it to the next person who's mm-hmm. doing the same trip that I was. Trip number three, I brought a 30-liter, uh, what was it called? I brought a 30-liter Osprey Porter. Hmm. I'm a real big fan of the. I was a real big. I was a real big fan of the Osprey backpacks, and I think I still am. They're very like hikingy. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you look at those backpack types, they're like super. You just imagine someone like strapping them on and going and climbing a mountain. Not so much strapping them on and like flying to Paris. <laughs> and this one in particular, bright green. And when you put it on, because it was so like short, because it was a 30 liter backpack, it stuck out so far from my back. That it literally made me look like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> they have other colors. Like there's like an orange one or a red one or something. And either way, you just look like a different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Like there's no way that you avoid it. Teenage <laughs> Mutant Ninja. How was the song? Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Heroes at a half show. Turtle power. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that one was 30 liters. I think that felt just about perfect mm. size wise. Bringing just like a couple of changes of clothes. Just my like actual, just my like running shoes and then a pair of flip flops that I would just like jam in the sides of it. Yeah. And the way that it opened up kind of like a suitcase was a bit revolutionary at the time. This was like 2016, 2017. There weren't other backpacks that really did this yet. And that was just so convenient. You just like flop it down on the bed, pop the whole thing open, and then you had access to all your stuff. But then 
on this last trip, this most recent one that we took, um, and I guess kind of are still taking, yeah, uh, we found the Cotopaxi Alpa, which I think both of us love, 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 love. absolutely love. So on that trip, I brought the 35 liter version of that, which was honestly just a little bit too big. This but, is the one that I still have. Yes, yeah, and I think that out of all of the backpacks that I've tried, which have been a lot, I think the Cotopaxi Alpa is the closest to perfect mm-hmm. that I've found so far. It does have some small annoyances, but it does, like, to be clear, we're not sponsored by any of these backpack no. companies, or we're not sponsored by anyone right now. <laughs> so That's okay. Yeah. So I think it does have some downsides. I don't know. What, what do you like or hate about it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of you who have watched our videos in the last couple of years, you'll notice that we both have this Alpa Code Epoxy 35 liter bags. Josh's, Josh's is the colorful, bright one. Mine is the... The sleek black one that has this like waterproof um, outside. Um, I I love this backpack. My list of backpacks though is pretty short compared to Josh's. Before this era, I also had an Osprey teal green turtle shell backpack mm-hmm. that was maybe forty liters, forty five liters. It was quite large as well, but I loved the clamshell feature of it, meaning it could open up like a suitcase. And so that was what I was looking for. I hate I hate having to like with backpacks having to like dig through and like pull out stuff. So it's oh it's yeah, nice. like you just open the top yeah. and you have to like shove your hand and all the you way don't to the know bottom. What you have, so you have to bring out everything <laughs> to find that one like dry towel. Um, but the the coat epoxy backpack that's like my biggest love of this backpack. Mm. It's it's it opens up like a suitcase. The each compartment has a zipper and almost like a compression, not compression strap, but just like keeps everything together like a packing cube. And it fits surprisingly a lot. And I love the size of it. It's not too it's not too chonky on either side. So it feels it feels just right. Mm-hmm. It feels like you're carrying a suitcase, like a carry on suitcase. Yes. Um, it has a laptop sleeve. It has um, my backpack has an outer like waterproof shell, which is really great. Um, the only downside I would say, and, and code epoxy, if you're out there somewhere, I would, you know, just like to say, let's figure out a way to put like, um, a sleeve for a water bottle somewhere oh, yeah. to put your water bottle. Cause there's no good place to hang or, or store your water bottle. Yeah. At all. Like you could get a clip to put on the side, but then it'd just be like bonking, bonking against everywhere. your side and everybody else as you're walking yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, I think that's kind of the only big downside of it. I mean, she got the 35 liter. Uh-huh. I just bought the 28 liter, <laughs> slightly smaller. And I love that because no airlines even give that a second look, even like yeah. the mega budget airlines. That's like just the right size where it looks like, oh, yeah, that could totally fit under a seat. Yeah, you'll notice, too, in the last couple of trips, in the last couple of years, Josh's backpack from the Code Epoxy has changed quite a bit. Like mm. there were a couple of times, like in our last trip to Japan, you brought just an 18 liter, that Timbuktu backpack oh, that yeah, you had yeah. from years ago. I wanted to see if I could get by with less. And yeah. I think that 18 liters for anything more than like a week or two, even then, is just, it's just not enough. Yeah. It's just not enough. what we ends brought... up happening. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. We brought it on the Camino and unfortunately, because of how small the backpack was, Lisa had to carry... <laughs> a lot of the food <laughs> i'm sorry it's like it, <laughs> ha- it was like barely enough for like two t-shirts two shorts and then one one slipper on the side right. and one slipper on the inside so it was like it was pretty tiny yeah um and i think and you asked specifically about the tortuga backpacks which i do also love those mm-hmm. are great backpacks but i think they have one 
massive flaw and that they don't acknowledge just how absolutely crazy the airlines have gotten with their weight restrictions mm. to be to be able to bring a backpack with really anything on it yeah. onto any of these flights is difficult i mean our flight over here to our flight to australia we could only take seven kilos which is just over 14 pounds that's our not a lot backpacks are almost like two to three pounds already yes. and the tortuga backpacks are almost twice as much as that they're mm. like five pounds some of them are like five or six pounds they're great. They're friggin' indestructible. Sure. They're, they're like, and they're waterproof and they have all these cool pockets and all these features for charging stuff. They're great. But I think they're just, I think they're just too heavy mm. if you're going to be flying budget airlines. Yeah. That was one of the, I think the more recent conversations that we've been having now that we're no longer doing full-time travel, we're kind of going back and forth from our home base. Um, we've been talking about like what, what kinds of things should we pack what kinds of things should we be packing? And it, it gives us some flexibility where we can leave a lot at home and we can be more minimalistic. Yeah. But now with airlines being so restrictive and we're looking constantly for good deals to fly out, um, like my backpack is is getting a little bit too large. Like I love it and I think it fits everything that I need. But on this flight, I had to take a lot of it out and mm. it was pretty much like, Two thirds empty. Yeah, it was like a backpack, and you had like so two shirts in there, and it was yeah, it was there. So <laughs> and plus your laptop, which is quite which heavy. is also quite heavy. Yeah. So yeah, we're just we're thinking about you know what what's the right size, and um, I think that's what prompted you to get the twenty eight liter backpack. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like I don't even I haven't gotten a second look at all from any of the airlines. Yeah. Unlike when we tried to fly Spirit with your backpack. I definitely got that. Ugh. So, okay, so the the actual ticket on Spirit to where we were flying to was $59. Yeah. And then when they decided just kind of randomly it felt like that your bag was too big. That Which cost it probably was. $99. To oh, it was so the, it was, hard. It, it like, hurt my soul. Ugh. Spirit. Yeah. Up until that point, I was feeling so confident about my packing skills and my ability to just like smile my way through right. and just like, hi, no, my backpack's normal. It's a, I'm just a tiny person. I'm just yeah. short. No. But since it's a core part of their business model, you can just tell that like every X people in line, they yeah. just like pick you out and send you to another line where you got to pay a hundred bucks. So there's now just no, there's no, yeah. there's no real rhyme or reason. Now we're the kind of people that carry luggage skills with us too, just because <laughs> these airlines true. have gotten way more restrictive. To answer your question briefly, um, what do you typically bring on a medium length trip? I think we have it pretty down pat, but our, our process is this. We think about how long we're going for, mm -hmm. what the weather is going to be like, and what's the bare minimum that we need. Two or three pairs of shirts, two pairs of pants, two pairs of shoes. I usually bring my trail runners and then one pair of sandals, either my slippers or my tivas. And then like little toiletries, as little as possible, like face lotion, uh, toothbrush, you know, makeup if you want it, earrings. And, and that's kind of, and then three to four pairs of underwear. It's, yeah. it's pretty it's pretty minimal. So that way, one, we know that when we're on the road, we can do laundry or we can go shopping, which we do a lot, mm -hmm. um, and bring home things. But And then that's, that's it for like clothing. And then the tech is just a whole nother thing that I think most people won't be bringing like their laptop, their big cameras, these podcast microphones. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I mean, we obviously have to bring a lot of gear just for filming, right? Mm -hmm. And that's probably over half of the stuff that we bring mm -hmm. at this point is a big old camera here. 
I think that my rule for packing that I've come to over time is that if at any point I say, oh, I should bring that just in case, I just leave it at home. I just straight up leave it at home because I know that I'll be able to buy it. If it rains, I'll buy an umbrella when I get there. Everybody sells umbrellas everywhere. And if I feel like I ran out of toothpaste, I'll buy that once I Mm -hmm. get there or any number of other things that rule applies to. And I think that and I think that over time, reducing that like anxiety of like, oh, but if I forget this, I'm definitely going to need it. And then it's going to cost a million dollars when I get there. Like over time, you start to realize that basically everywhere you travel to in the world will have all of the basic necessities and almost everywhere you go to will have just literally more than what you had at home. <laughs> so I feel like this rule applies to everything except for cables in your life. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I, our, al- I always got to have the right charging cables. I our gotta, entire glove compartment this right here. in our camper van, we'll show you, is full of cables. It is wild. But anyway, if you think it would be helpful for us to gu- kind of go through every single thing that we bring and how we approach it, we can definitely do a packing video in the future. Um, yeah, because this is that, that would be kind of the result of like, 10 plus years of travel, four round the world trips, and slowly just like whittling down to just the good stuff. So yeah. I, I think it could be interesting. Yeah. Let us know if you think so too. Yeah. And we can do it specifically also for where we are right now, which is our New Zealand camper fan trip. Yes. yes. All right. Moving okay. on to what the next question. What do we got question. next? That was a great question. That was yes, a great, thank I love I love talking about this gear stuff, especially backpacks. I could talk about backpacks forever. Because <laughs> you have like 20 of them. <laughs> do a lot. All right. So the next question comes from taketothehighway.com 3152, who says, just finished your fantastic video on Fukuoka. Thanks. Thanks. And had to come back to TST for another question. How do you find all these great and notable restaurants? What's your go-to resource for finding the best places? Oh, Ooh. man. I can tell you what. It's not Google. <laughs> it's not, That's true. It's not the internet. Yeah. It's not the internet. And I think over time, I've become more and more like disillusioned is maybe the right word mm. with any website that gives reviews of things. Because especially if you're from America or if you're like looking into the way that Americans review things, you either review it as a five or a one. <laughs> There's nothing in between. We're so extreme with the way that we review things, especially on Google. They made me wait 30 minutes. One star. One star. Or even just like, <laughs> it's just so many unreasonable one-star reviews. I, <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on finding hilarious, unreasonable one-star reviews. But like, it's true. Nobody really like, like in the star ratings, like a three out of five should be like good. Yeah. And a four out of five should be like great. Yeah. And a five out of five should be like life-changing. But instead... Pretty much every restaurant on Google reviews kind of like if it's any good at all, if it's even like reasonably kind of good, it just normalizes out at like a 4.2 or a 4.3. And every restaurant is that. And if it's like a 3.9, you're like, oh, man, that must be a dumpster fire in there. One of the best tips I've ever read was when you're looking at any reviews, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Amazon, Google. You got that that mosquito. There's some mosquitoes (laughs) and sandflies everywhere. Um, Whether it's Amazon, Google reviews, Yelp, someone said read the three star reviews they're often the most thorough and the most helpful the five stars and the one stars generally are like the worst but three to four stars that's where you should be reading and to get the most information so yeah i think we're a little bit more weary of google reviews Mm -hmm. and and i would say our favorite finds are often not even on google or online yeah Um, that sounds very hipster to say that yeah and i don't want it to come across that way it's not like we're like (laughs) not like we like are a magical fountain of like knowledge of these places or i mean there are some places like tokyo that i've been to like 10 times you know and i know the things that i love and that's the stuff that we like put into the videos is like Mm -hmm. these cool things that i found walking forever and ever i just like 
we're not we're not hipstery in that we're like totally without Google Maps or whatever. I think that we just genuinely think that we find better restaurants if we just walk around mm-hmm. the neighborhood instead of instead of just like looking up things and then having this expectation in our head of what this restaurant's going to be like and then we go to it and then the very best thing that could happen is that restaurant would just like meet our mm-hmm. expectations which you know which we understand the conundrum when it comes to like YouTube and we're reviewing and we are we are showcasing a lot of these restaurants and these places but in general we have a much better experience when we're traveling i would say in general we have a much better experience when we're traveling when we just walk around and look for the right place i mean i think on our fifth date we we were we were going to walk around the city and in san francisco and just you know find a place to eat and i think we ended up walking for five hours i made this poor girl walk basically all around san francisco <laughs> just to for find the right place. the perfect restaurant because i love doing it. it's like my favorite pastime and it was it it really what it comes down to though is like a couple of things budget we're mm-hmm. always looking for kind of just like a value a not fancy place yeah but yeah we, or if it's fancy it's fine but Generally, a casual, homey feeling place. Mm-hmm. We're looking for food that's tasty, that's filling, and for a good price, like something that we can actually afford. Yeah, and uh, I think that like we're we're very willing to pay for like really good food, but yes. I think we immediately will be turned off of any restaurant that charges more because it has like fancy tablecloths mm. or a nice view <laughs> or anything like that stuff I think to both of us is just totally valueless yeah but like super delicious food we're like oh, I yes, love a good super view, in. if it's like uh okay but if it's if we had to choose between like crappy view great food yeah yeah or great view crappy yes. food or expensive food yeah. I put those two things in the same I would say we'd always choose the like, great food for us and crappy view ambiance isn't you know, candlelit dinners or really clean, I know this sounds bad, but like really clean windows or something. (laughs) Like for me, when I think of like my favorite experiences or some of our favorite experiences eating out have been like going to get breakfast on the side of the road in Taipei or, you know, at the food stalls in Hong Kong or Singapore, like those kinds of places we just only discover just by walking around and knowing that this is just a feeling. We know it's going to be budget. We know it's going to be tasty. We see a lot of people here, yeah. and that's how we decide. Yes, I absolutely. Mean, there, there, there... I do think there are some websites in some countries that actually do accurate reviews. Mm. And I think it's worth talking about, like Tabalog tab- in Japan. I'm mm. not sure how to say it. That website, for example... Things are things are generally rated accurately, and coming from the U.S., it might seem harshly. Where like, if a restaurant has a two point nine in the United States, you would think that that restaurant is actively trying to kill you. <laughs> but objectively, that's like a sixty percent good restaurant, which mm. means that it's like pretty good. Yeah, you know, like a pretty good it was, restaurant. It was pleasant. All right, and that's the that's way what that mom says about me. And that's the way that the reviews work on a website, like. Table log, or for example, the or for example, the restaurant reviews that were inside a neighbor in South Korea, mm-hmm. they were generally pretty fair. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like a, a restaurant rated four would be great. Yeah, it would be like a genuine. And a restaurant rated five, there were like three in the whole country. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we generally, like, <laughs> we generally, when we look at Google or Yelp and anything is below four, you're like. Hold Uh-oh. the phone. That, that is the response because everything is rated a five or a one, right? Yeah, so you, there's so little nuance in yeah. there. 
And like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that so, there are some websites, but generally I would say Google reviews, I think are kind of useless for finding a truly great restaurant so, that'll fit you. So I would say, so I'd say in summary, our overall approach is, you know, we, we just like to get to the place that we're traveling in and walk around and yes. use our eyeballs and see like what what gets our attention, what matches and what fits our needs. Like on our trip to Fukuoka specifically, I mean, we found like that ramen restaurant mostly because we saw the 290 yen, you know, sign and we were intrigued. Yeah. So, yeah, budget is a big part of it. Who wouldn't be? 290 also, yen ramen? Come on. And vending machines. <laughs> and on. also that bar that we went to, like that stand up yes. bar. It was literally just walking around, poking our heads into different bars and seeing, wow, this this place is full of life and so exciting. So you kind of just have to like take a chance and trust that like what is out there will meet your needs. Yeah. Um, and basically we just keep walking until Lisa gets hangry. <laughs> I would say true. that's like, that's generally like whenever Lisa gets hangry. Like it's time. Perfect restaurant. And it really, really <laughs> bothers me though when I settle and when we find a place and mm. I eat somewhere that I'm like, I'm just hangry. I just want to eat. And then the food is unsatisfying. There's no feeling like that. And that's a bummer. <laughs> so just, just, just trust that, like trust your instinct and tr- trust your instincts and trust your gut. But also there are some, I will say we use Reddit and I think Reddit mostly yeah. for some of like those, those like well-known, fun, interesting things like Kichi Kichi Omarice and Kyoto. Yes. That was one of the ones that we Team booked Lads. way in advance and has yeah. like a billion Google reviews. But that's kind of like, that was more like booking a show mm-hmm. than a restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. like you go there specifically for this like crazy experience of this guy like lighting his own kitchen on fire. Yeah. We love recommendations and we love... When people tell us you should definitely visit this place and you mm. should definitely visit this place for this and this, we love recommendations. But ultimately, we know that like everybody has very different tastes, very different budgets, very different styles of traveling. So I think the way we approach it is when we get a recommendation or when we see something, we also have to kind of just tell, is this something that vibes with us? Yes. And I think actually, Maybe the best resource for food recommendations is in the comments of our own videos. Mm, yes. Because we never, we'd like, we release the video and then all of a sudden there's just these floods of That's hundreds, true. sometimes thousands of comments of people being like, oh, you should have gone there. Oh, you should have tried this mm-hmm. bakery. You should have done that. And we obviously, we don't get to, we don't get to try that because we've already released the video and we're home by the time that happens. But that's where I think you should probably look yeah, to yeah. try to find these like great restaurants that are kind of a little bit more off the beaten path generally a little more budget yes yeah check out the comments of our videos we found some great things out of there that we absolutely agree so the next question we got was from andrew pagan who asks another question on the topic of making your youtube channel a business Mm -hmm. at what point would you decide to throw in the towel would your runway have to run out or would there have to be some other event i love your videos and travels and hope you don't leave us oh we hope not either yeah (laughs) So we, every single week, we have a meeting where we talk Mm -hmm. about our finances and we have this like gigantic spreadsheet where we go over, (laughs) Lisa genuinely hates it, but um, this thing is just a big calculator that I built that takes our like current, how much money we got saved up, how much we got in our bank accounts, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And then it spits out at the end of it based on how much we're spending each month, how long of a runway we have before we run out of money. Yep. And this was really important, especially for the previous like two and a half years of doing this YouTube channel where our revenue was essentially zero. Yeah. It was basically none. 
And we weren't making any money from the YouTube channel, so we were just seeing our bank account just constantly go down and down and down to the right over and over time. And these check-ins every week that we have would be like, okay, we got X amount of months left. We got, oh, now we only got X amount of months left because, like, uh, the stock market didn't do well. And, Mm -hmm. uh oh, now. It's it's been nice to do it, too. Like, we we try to do it once a week. But also when we know we're about to make big purchases, Mm. when we're about to, when we feel like we've been spending way more than we've been making, it's always just nice to go back into that spreadsheet. I can't believe I'm saying this because it gives me anxiety. So it used to give me a lot of anxiety to, sure. to plan. Because the numbers were only going one way for a yeah. very long time. But now it's it's nice to kind of know, okay, like I can I can take a little bit more here or we can make this big purchase for now mm-hmm. and hope that that recuperates in the future. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And I think that that's like the financial part of it is we always know how much runway that we have left. And this was all part of our plan mm-hmm. of doing this. Like when we quit our jobs, we didn't know that we were going to be making a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. We had no idea. But luckily we had saved up, you know, like a year or two worth yeah. of spending. We don't spend all that much. So that wasn't all that much money. But it was enough for us to like bootstrap this little YouTube channel and give it a little bit of time to grow into the thing that it has now, which... Which now, I mean, it's not like we're making a profit off of this thing mm-hmm. at all. I'd say we're just barely covering our expenses throughout like life and then traveling here and making these YouTube videos. So we're like finally just evened out a little bit. And yeah, that is nice. a nice feeling. It's nice to have. It's like this plant that we picked up at the at the store the other day. We've named him Sunny. Yep. And, you know. For those of you on podcast, this is a tiny white plant that I got for $1 at a Bunnings in New Zealand. And it's very beautiful. It adds a little bit of joy to our lives in our camper van. Like, it, it, it you know, it's not thriving currently in its current state because it's cold outside. Are you comparing and, Sunny to our YouTube channel? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just no, I'm saying like you were talking about how it's nice, you know, that we're kind of just like we're cruising, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we, we don't. We don't have a full garden yet. You know, Sonny's not growing tomatoes. That's not his lot in life. But he's adding some joy. I am so, so lost by I this know, analogy. I, I had it, but I think to summarize. Are we a tiny bunning store plant and we're going to eventually grow into a tomato? Anyway, I'm going to stop with the analogy. Okay. I don't know where we were at with that. I think, though, to answer the question, um, you know, what would make us throw in the towel we we want to keep going for as long as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. We, I think runway has some to do with it, but we're lucky enough. Like right now, I think we have, what, two years of runway? Yeah, something like to, that. To and keep trying. Also, we, I don't know. I don't know. What are some potential things that would make us stop? So I can think of one big one. Like I think the, I think the most likely reason why we would ever stop and whenever i think of this potential i think of the dark knight so let me go with a quick nerdy quote here oh boy so the batman movie right the middle one of the nolan series where he says you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain and i think Hmm. that all of us over time have seen some of our favorite creators maybe not do anything as dramatic as become a villain (laughs) but eventually they're the thing that they start making just Evolves. Evolves and changes so far from where they started initially that their initial fan base, like the people that really like love them, and this has certainly happened with us with creators that we love watching, mm-hmm. eventually they just like move so far away from where they started that that initial fan base, the people that like helped them get off the ground, just drop them fully 
because their content has just changed so far. And yeah, that, that's a struggle. It's a hard it's a hard thing to grapple with. Like to have to have success change the type of thing that we would make would be such a sad outcome for this for me personally mm. is to have like instead of the success allowing us to do like more of this or to be able to make like better versions of this or whatever to have that like fundamentally change the way that we think about making this stuff and feel like I don't know and to feel like we're just creating to like chase that success mm. I think that would be for me at least becoming the villain over time that that would be like my villain moment where I would feel like maybe it's time to throw in the towel because it wouldn't be about making something creative and useful and helpful for other people out there that are trying to do like a similar thing that we are. Hmm. It would be just about like chasing that algorithm or chasing success or fame or some other external silly thing Mm -hmm. that we don't actually care about. We do need some amount of it, right? We need some amount of, but if that became like priority number one and we lost our way, to that mm-hmm. at some point in time and the only way we'd know that is with you guys calling us out um, yeah i do think i mean to that end i think one of the things that i was thinking about was you know what what could potentially make us throw in the towel i mean obviously there are a lot of things that can change in the next couple of years but yeah. um i i can see a world someday where you know we talked about burnout last week how it's a thing that that continues it's a thing that that a lot of people battle in all forms of work, you know, it's, it's the constant need to constantly be working without taking breaks. Mm -hmm. And I could see a world where eventually, you know, someone's creative drive or desire to help or desire to make content or desire to help other people just dries out, burns out because of the constant doing And I think that can also be a reason why people might stop or quit. Not that I want that to happen. Mm. Um, I want to quit well before (laughs) I feel like our like creative well is dried up or like our helpfulness well is dried up. And I think that that probably, I don't know, I've seen some creators where that's happened. Mm. And I understand the implication. I like, I understand the point of like changing what you do i totally get that but like changing the reasons that we do this for Mm. i think that can never change i totally get like changing the venue or the type of videos we make or the things that we talk about because we're more interested over time in a different subject than we are right now or whatever but to change the reason why you're doing it or like the point of it to change it from like internally wanting to help people to externally just wanting to chase fame or success or money yeah Like, I think that well before that point is when we will throw in the towel. I hope. I hope that we will have the wisdom to not let it go too far if some crazy thing happens that we actually see any real success out of this. Thanks so much for that insightful question. We love talking about this, you know, the the ins and outs of how the channel works. If you're interested, definitely feel free to keep asking us more questions about this. Yeah and any travel related questions. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of travel, um, I saw this really interesting, funny, funny headline in the news today in Japan, bullet train passengers treated to wrestling match on board in world's first. So my first thought is that it's a sumo wrestling it's match? Not Is that Okay, it's sumo. not a sumo, okay. So Monday, this past Monday, uh, the world's first wrestling match, and I think this is just like pro wrestling maybe or semi-pro. Amazing. What? On a train? Wrestling match (laughs) took place on a Japanese bullet train. So like immediately comes to mind like Brad Pitt's and that Brad Pitt 
bullet train movie. Yeah. But which was actually I thought that was really it was good. It was a really great movie. I don't know if <laughs> this inspired of, it. I had a lot of fun with that movie. But essentially a train carriage was like a wrestling. I don't you can watch the video and I'll, I'll post this on on our description below. But Japanese professional fighters battled in the aisle of a train carriage and and it was actually like an organized event where they sold out tickets like within half an hour of posting them. I would have bought those tickets. Yeah, <laughs> so the this train went from Nozomi this this train this bullet train went from Tokyo to Nagoya uh on a Shinkansen mm-hmm. and spectators were basically treated to wrestlers fighting inside the train as they went up to 285 kilometers per hour. <laughs> I don't know, would you would I would, you I would wrestle on a train. <laughs> like not only would I buy those tickets, but I would absolutely would. like give that a try of <laughs> That would be so much fun. That's so funny. What a crazy, what a crazy thing to do. I'm so curious. Like, is this something that they're going to keep doing and what inspired this? And I don't know. Like to me, when I think of Japan trains, I think of quiet, very peaceful rides home. There are a lot of rules too, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's considered bad etiquette to talk loud on the trains. The fact that a whole carriage was just (laughs) the, the setting for a, a fight was is fascinating to me that's awesome that's just awesome so our final question comes from pamela 5719 who asks do you lock your passports in your room when you're out and about and i think is a great question mm-hmm. and a very specific safety question but led us to talk about some really yeah i don't know leads leads me to think about some really interesting questions about like safety while yeah. traveling and we ended up talking about this all last night yeah. after we read this question of like what are our best practices? Like, mm-hmm. what are the things that we just do automatically now that Without we've been traveling so long? It. Yeah, now that we've been traveling yeah. so long, what are just those things that we do? And I think one of those things, let's start with the question is, yeah, we almost never bring our passports out with us. Yeah. If it's a, if we have a hotel room or even a camper van, we just leave it in whatever the safest thing is that we have and leave it at home. And we do not walk around with it. Unless we absolutely know we need our passports with us. Like, if we're going to an event where they're going to check passports, then we bring it with us. But... Other than that, we try not to carry it around with us because our thought is if we're carrying it around with us, mm-hmm. our backpacks or our purses get stolen, that's it. <laughs> Game over. For you sure. know, we have to start over. We separate all of our like valuable stuff into two separate locations yeah. automatically. So like any major city, we do basically the same thing. So when we go out into the city, I'll take normally like two credit cards probably my driver's license so i have some sort of id with me mm-hmm. um from back in the u.s and i just stick those things in my pocket and then a little bit of money yeah and then we have all of the rest of our other credit cards and all the rest of our cash tucked away in the hotel yeah we don't bring all of our stuff like basically no. what's that phrase about eggs in a basket yeah don't put all your eggs in one basket <laughs> we don't put all of our credit cards in one basket and bring that basket out with us right yeah yeah <laughs> That way, I mean, we have two debit cards, so then only one of us will bring one debit card out, and then the other one will be back in the hotel room. So that way, no matter what happens, if we happen to get robbed in the hotel, we still have the stuff on us. If we get robbed while we're out in the street or whatever, then we still have the things back in the hotel to be able to get us out of a jam. And I think that that rule kind of applies to just about everything. We bring the bare minimum required for whatever adventure we're going on, Mm -hmm. and we leave the rest in the hotel room. Yeah. Now, this I mean, is under the assumption that the hotel that you're staying at is trustworthy. And if it's not, 
You should probably just move to another hotel. Yeah, you shouldn't be staying there, maybe. (laughs) But I think for the most part, we've been lucky enough. Like we haven't had any any major issues regarding this as we've traveled over the last few years. I think I remember, though, feeling that I remember worrying about this on on my first trip, though, by myself, because I hadn't really traveled a lot. And I read online people talked about locking things away in a safe. People talked about, you know, making sure that when you're staying in a hostel, you're storing your money in the safest places, all the little crevices that no one will know about. Mm -hmm. I did make sure, right, to keep money tucked away in safe places and I didn't keep all my money in the same place like in a backpack I might keep some cash in one compartment and then the rest like in a different compartment on me um but I didn't as soon as I started traveling I didn't really feel like I had to worry about locking my passport in a safe right um I felt safe enough in a lot of the hostels and a lot of the hotels that I stayed in that I could just stuck stash it away in my backpack and put my backpack away in a locker or something. Yeah. And I think that like most crimes are crimes of convenience. Like if you just like leave out a gold bar on your bed in the hotel room. Sure. You're kind of, you're kind of asking for it to disappear. But if you like put it away in your backpack and then put that backpack like under your bed or whatever, Mm -hmm. it'll probably still be there when you get back. Yeah. (laughs) Like just, um, I think, yeah, just generally not making those valuable things super obvious and just like, you know, leaving them out in the world is is a pretty good way Mm -hmm. to secure things. I think I also think about digital security all the time, (laughs) obviously, as a very important aspect of this. For example, definitely recommend using a VPN whenever you're on a public Wi-Fi Mm. at all. So if if you're like if you go on the Wi-Fi thing and you click on it and it doesn't require a password to log into it. It means that you're on an unsecured Wi-Fi, which means that basically anyone else could be sniffing that Wi-Fi traffic while you're there and intercept your credentials in transit from like your computer to the Wi-Fi access point out to the Internet. There are some obviously asterisks to that, like if they're using HTTPS or if they have like nice certificates installed or any amount of encryption. But generally on those unsecured Wi-Fi access points, I will use a VPN immediately or anywhere that we go. And also backing up things as you're traveling. We do this all the time. We back up our photos every single night. We back up. And by backup, I would just mean like send them up to Google Photos in the cloud or send them back to our little like storage thing that we have at our at our place. And uh, also making multiple copies of all of our video files that we carry with us all the time because those are important to us. And making sure that we have a password on our laptops and on our phones to secure those. It's just using one password, a password manager, to make sure that all of our passwords are like secure and that we can change them easily. There's a lot of things that I think about when it comes to digital security, but I think you're much more likely to have something weird happen or to have someone steal your credit card info because you put them into some like unsecured website Mm. than you are to have someone like steal a credit card out of your wallet. Mm -hmm. And I think thinking more about digital security is actually like a more important thing to do than it is to just like secure the things on your person. Or both. Maybe both are important. Yeah. Both are important. No question. Mm -hmm. But if I had to choose only one, I've had my credit card info stolen like eight times Mm -hmm. in my life. And I've had people steal. I've had people like mug me and steal stuff out of my pockets like two times in my life. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) You know, so it just happens way more frequently and it can happen from anywhere. Let's like walk through 
what we do when we get to a new place, what we make sure that we pack related to safety. So Mm -hmm. I would say in general, whenever we're heading out for a trip, we want to make sure that we have our passports, of course, but also copies of our passports. Photocopies of them, like not additional passports, but like just pictures of them. Yeah. So, and we will both carry copies of our passports um, on each other's like packs. So Josh has copies of his and mine, and I also have a copy of mine and his in my pack, just in case. Yeah. yeah. Just in case. That way, if we lose one pack, then the other person has all the information mm-hmm. that we need. Um, we generally bring, we don't bring, we don't bring all of our credit cards. We don't bring all of our cash mm-hmm. when we're heading out for a trip. We usually, when we get to the airport, we'll take out cash from an ATM, um, and then we'll split up that cash between us so that one person isn't carrying all of it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And I think that there are also some things to make yourself just look like less of a target. Mm. And I think those are just like not flashing expensive electronics when you're (laughs) out in public is a pretty basic thing. Um, Putting your cash away like at the ATM pretty immediately, not just like walking around, you know, (laughs) fumbling around with it. Only pulling out just as much cash as you actually need to do whatever you're doing. Like just pull out enough for a couple of days instead of like your entire trip. Which we know a lot of people, you know, debate about because before this I had to take out, you know, loads of cash. I was like, I don't want to carry this much cash with me, but I didn't want to get hit with all these fees. Um, But now with Charles Schwab's ATM fees being refunded, we can, we have the luxury of just taking out as much as we need at a time. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. We're um, not sponsored by Charles Schwab. No, not way. at all. Not at all. They're just like just the a, best current solution. It's just a pretty cool, pretty cool feature mm. of their ATM and their debit, debit um, checking account. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like also just kind of generally knowing where you're going mm. seems to help a lot. Like not yeah. looking lost and <laughs> knowing knowing where you're headed, like either like screenshotting those Google Maps directions in case you don't have internet or... Yeah, something that I like to do before um, before our trips is when we're on Wi-Fi is just take a download. Google Maps actually allows you to download maps offline. Mm-hmm. So that way, when you get to a place and let's say you don't have data or don't have service, you can access your maps um, and, and get to your location pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. One thing I will say, even though we talked about reviews earlier and we said they're generally unhelpful... Reading the reviews of hotels and accommodations in advance has really, really helped the way that I think about booking stays and mm-hmm. safety specifically. Yeah. Like reading people's experiences. What was it like to walk back to the hotel at night? What was the staff like? You know, what were the rooms like? Gen- generally, those kinds of details helps me get a sense of, am I going to feel safe here? Is my stuff going to be safe here? Mm-hmm. And um, so... Although you have to take every review with a grain of salt for sure, reading the details and reading between the lines and and seeing what kind of features of that hotel or that hostel has helps me feel more secure about safety. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand that safety is a bigger deal in some places than it is in others, you know, and that you need to take additional precautions. But- these couple of rules, like splitting up all of our important things, leaving our really valuable stuff back in the hotels, and then making sure that we have like multiple copies of important documents spread across our two backpacks. I think between all of that and then just kind of like the more intangible things of like looking where we know where we're going, smiling at people, being friendly, yeah. 
not kind of inviting in those like weird experiences, just like saying no to scammers on the street mm. that come up to you, like or just ignoring people. Yeah, that like you, you, you know, trust your gut. Yeah, and and I think that the biggest rule that I have when we're traveling is that if someone approaches me in the street, I should be a little wary. I should, mm. I should maybe, but if I go and like ask any general person in the world, if I pick out someone, 99 plus percent of the time, like a rounding error, 100%, those people are going to be like awesome, helpful, and just kind of like going throughout their day. But if someone like, if I'm traveling out in the world and I look like a tourist and someone comes up to me, maybe I need to be a little bit skeptical yeah. of the thing and that they're offering. And even those situations, most of the time, those people are asking some other things or are also just curious about where we're from and, and mm. want to strike up a conversation. Or just but trying yeah. to sell you a weird bracelet. <laughs> yeah, also <laughs> true. Something like that, you know, something yeah. you don't necessarily want. And then yeah. you just like say, no thanks, and then you just move on with your life. I think safety too, specifically as a woman and, and sometimes solo traveling, it's mm. always helpful. Like whenever I go out or we're not together, I think we always try to make sure that we have a set time that we're going to meet, yes. a meeting location, and um, and we have ways to contact each other. Um, I try not to take like, I try not to take too many shortcuts or back alleyways. I try to like <laughs> right. look for places that are well traveled, um, well po popular, populated areas, and in well lit areas. But I try not to go out too late at night unless I, I really need to even then I don't really need to sometimes yeah I mean I think for sure like your considerations of safety would be very different than yes, mine on yeah. any given trip I and so. I like understand that yeah um both are important but um yeah. I think those are specific specific things that I like to think about that being said we've had very very good luck and 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 not too many problems with safety on the road We've been pretty fortunate and and like I said, I think everywhere generally and and this is generally that I think the theme of traveling is what we've experienced. Most most people are wonderful, wonderful, kind human beings that are just happy to see you. And yep. if they're not happy to see you, they're just they're just going about their business. <laughs> okay. I think that that's a great place to end this one. So please just leave any more questions or comments that you have down in the comment section below. We'll answer your questions next week. That's it for Travel Support Thursday. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week from another beautiful, fun location in New Zealand, <laughs> yeah, which also happens to be a very safe and welcoming country. Yes. <laughs> see you later. All right. See you next week.